This is the We Are Outdoorsmen podcast, built by outdoorsmen for outdoorsmen, presented by Herod Outdoors and Max Luer. Top line. Top line just got this. Yes, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> that was my fit. There we go. Well, Hookie does it again. Welcome back to another episode of the We Are Outdoorsman podcast presented by Herod Outdoors and Max Lure. I'm your host, Britton. Richie's here and Bobby's oh. here. And Bobby's foreplay call is I, missing. I took it away from him because I went hunting. So Bobby's in timeout, <laughs> which is good for everyone's Great. ears. <laughs> Thanks a lot. I do get a hunt, and it's it's in my turkey vest. Sorry. We're recording in uh, early June right now. It's starting to get warm. Fishing's really, really heating up, and because of well, as soon as fishing started heating up, you decided to leave. I did. I went to went to Alaska to go fishing. I don't remember setting up a GoFundMe for Rich. Yeah, no. It, <laughs> he set up his own Make a Wish trip, <laughs> and uh, got up there, and I did. Looked like he had a lot of fun up there. We're going to get all into that. On the podcast today, we have Gary Anderson, Anderson Lodge, Alaska, up in a Thorn Bay on Prince of Wales Island. Richie just got done spending a week up there, so it'll be good to hear yeah. about how that all went. And We'll get into a whole bunch of Alaska. It's all about Alaska today. Oh, yeah, baby. We're, we're going to throw in some news, and we'll definitely talk a little bit of whiskey and vodka as well, because we can't miss that. Of course. What, but what about fishing? <laughs> we're going to talk that. We'll talk fishing. we got to have our special coffee. we got to do that right now. I, uh, I already got it. It was a late morning for me. What's well, going on? I had a little bit of a website scare this Rut, morning. Bro. So I was up until I got about two and a half hours of sleep, and then woke up at you know, 6.45, and then I got a call from Bobby at 7, and I immediately was like, crap, we have podcasts today. <laughs> These guys, we scheduled this yesterday, and then they forgot already this morning. Yeah. No, we scheduled it two days ago. No. It was Friday. It was no. Friday. You guys. Hey. But we're here, I, I and forgot. Uh, <laughs> I immediately walked in. Richie had the Wood Family Spirit sitting out on the table they with did. a full pot of coffee brewed. I threw a little bit of creamer in mine, but we got bourbon coffee creamer. oh yeah special coffee this morning what are you doing bobby bobby's got some ice ice iced coffee baby it's too hot out you gotta well, have iced coffee now yeah we're, we're getting the the we're temperatures getting are getting yeah. up into the 90s wood family spirits and iced coffee i know i know and what do you got going i just have the same as you oh wow look at us yeah <laughs> quenching quenching our thirst today with uh, wood family spirits Bobby, what did you do with your uh, your iced one? Because as we get into the summer, you do need something a little bit more. I I just I like having just a little little coffee creamer with iced coffee. I I make a, a whole pot of coffee and then and then set it out. I've yeah. got a container that I leave it out. Right. And I'll take that and and mix it up with ice, a little bit of creamer, and then Wood Family Spirit. No diet coke today. Did you do the no. diet coke? You can do diet coke to add add sweetness and a little bit of. Carbonation. That's, that's Carbonation kind of a, kind of a splash. Kind yeah, of a yeah. yeah. And, and you know what? That that's really really good. It but is it, good. But it's almost it's almost too sweet for for in the morning. We'll just splash it. Well, yeah, but you know, it's, you know me. Splash. Yeah, I know you. You yeah. you like diet coke. It's, it's, so vo- it's it volume. Yeah, I know. You, you got to do volume. You splash it. It's wonderful. <laughs> we do have somewhat of a different recipe recommended by the Wood Family Spirits team. Oh, yeah. Jerry Lee's got something for us. Jerry Lee does have an idea for your summer 
beverage using Wood Family Spirits. So we're going to let her explain a little bit about what she thinks you should try. All right. So I'm here at the River Tap Restaurant and Pub, home of the Wood Family Spirits here in the Dallas, Oregon. I'm with Jerry Lee Adams. How are you doing? I'm wonderful. How are you, Rich? I'm good. Jerry Lee is the... Oh, Bobby's laughing over there in the background and making a lot of noise. But Jerry Lee is the general manager here at the River Tap. And we have a question for you. So we're moving into summer you know sometimes mm -hmm. the special coffee is a little hot when it's hot outside it's 112 degrees on our patio yeah so what should we be mixing our columbia bourbon with at this point so i recommend uh dismuddling some fresh citrus so when you talk about a sour you're thinking more of heartburn and the, a lot of the sours are like that so i'm suggesting that you muddle some fresh citrus like some lemon and some lime okay so muddling means you're gonna smash it up smash it up beat the shit out of the citrus copy in, that in a pint glass with a little ice and then you add the bourbon to it give it a little shake now the water displacement plus the citrus is going to create something that is conducive to drinking on a 95 degree day weather out on a patio. In this area, it gets really hot in the summertime. So when you're talking about a bourbon, generally you're talking about something that you want to drink when it's warm outside. You're going to add that to a coffee or a special coffee. That's right. But in the summertime, when you're in a hot climate and a high desert area like we are, you want to make that a little bit more refreshing. You want to add some fresh, fresh citrus, maybe a little splash of something sweet like a simple syrup but you don't want to take away from the flavor of the bourbon exactly. and you want to make that something simple you don't want to add a bunch of sweetness you want the bourbon to speak for itself and you want to add that ice to it and if you add ice to something that's muddled or pummeled and that bourbon you're going to find something really special there you go folks we that sounds really good we're going to give it a try now the weather is uh warming up so thank you jerry lee thank you very much rich speaking of warming up i think we were getting pretty toasted up at the tap room that night <laughs> i think we might have been yeah that was we went down there and jumped well we jumped down to the dows to go fishing with we Mark did. bush yeah and we stopped in and it was the first time all three of us had been there got to meet jerry lee and try a bunch of bourbon yeah yeah so that's a good summer drink it sounds like a great summer drink yeah no bullshit no bullshit <laughs> here i'm trying to be good you guys are going off I mean, what the hell hey it was go try it. the wood family spirits the columbia bourbon or the og vodka mix it up into something cold and let us know what you want to try it with mm -hmm. i think it'd be good in like a whiskey sour or there's a whiskey smash now too moscow mule good. mule you, which you is guys, similar you guys are so missing out on the boat bourbon. i'm telling you man do the coffee a little bit of diet coke a little bit of creamer and then you throw in the bourbon, and it's fantastic. Well, and by the way, that's what they're serving at the River Tap now with our <laughs> Herod's Cookhouse coffee. Oh, heck yeah. So, so that's the recipe. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. We're on a menu, everyone. We're on the menu. We're on a dang menu. We took it down. We took a case of it down to our pro staff retreat, which we'll talk about later, but let everyone who was indulging in adult beverages try it. One thing I always forget to tell people is it's 100 proof. It's 100 proof, yeah. And so I was just pouring little, like, you know, shooter tasters yeah. in red Solo cups. Yeah. Classy as hell. Yeah, classy. And 
it was a little hot for some of the people. Yeah. You know, but it's good. Once you told them, it was like, oh, yeah, it's 100 proof. They're like, okay, that makes sense. It's yeah. very good. And that's why it's so good sure. when you mix it. It's, yeah. The flavor is fantastic. Yeah, it, it, it's still, it's tough to overpower the flavor. Yeah, it and really is. Which is good. I yeah. mean, that, that's the whole reason that you're drinking it. Yep. You know? Coming from the guy who reaches as far down on the shelf to get his Canadian whiskey. Nah. <laughs> Every time we go on like a trip, it's like, I've never even heard of that before. <laughs> Today is all about Alaska, and Richie just got done doing his Alaska adventure. I think three years in a row, we've all each by ourselves gone up to yeah. Alaska. Yeah, we need to all go together, and this... Yeah. This might be a really good opportunity. Um, Gary and Victoria Anderson, who own Anderson Lodge, Alaska, have become friends of ours through the Sportsman Show. And uh, we met them about, oh, geez, five or six years ago, I think. They had a booth that was near ours, and we just became fast friends. They're really, really nice people, and he's been bugging me for a while to come up and, and go fishing with them. Uh, this time of year, which the end of May, He's pre-fishing, getting ready for clients. And so it's a good time to go up there and not interrupt what he's doing for paying customers and, and fish with friends. And so this was pretty fun. He had some of his cousins come up, and then uh, Vicky and I went up there and focused on helping him find fish. And halibut really is what we were trying to find. And then also black rock fish, or what I call black bass. And that, that's just a blast. We had a great time uh, doing that, and we smashed them. Yeah, every day you'd get home from work and pull up Facebook or something. And <laughs> we smashed it'd just be him. Richie, you know, sitting on a dock with more fish than he needs. <laughs> it was great. The first day we got some smaller fish, and then the, the second day is when we got into the big guys. And then we took one day off because the wind was blowing, and we river fished for a while. And then we went back out and did a little bit better than the first day as far as size goes, but again, smaller. What did you catch fish. in the river? We were after uh, cutthroat trout and dollies, but we mostly just caught cutthroat, and they were quite small. Do they have any resonant rainbow, or is there just steelhead? Uh, just steelhead, yeah. and we did we did hook a steelhead, but that that guy shouldn't have even been in the river, really. Of course, yeah. we were fishing kind of down low in the, I guess that's the Thorn River. Right. Gary was saying, well, that fish should already be back to the salt, but yeah. You know, there's always yeah, a few they, hanging They've around. already spawned and yeah. heading back out. We weren't that far from the salt there. Sure, And sure. so, you know, how fish do, they come in and out mm-hmm. and dink around. But mostly just little cutthroats like we would catch in a stream here, you know, just sure. like up at Chelan, just uh, little guys that are six, six inches. But that was still fun. It was beautiful. I mean, you know how it is up there. The island's gorgeous, but the salt water was a lot of fun. We get, did get a few crabs. We tried for some shrimp. Shrimping's not very good right now for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Everybody was having issues, but that halibut fishing was just fantastic. Do they have slot limits right now up N- there? No. Mm-mm. Really? No. You can catch two each, basically any any size. That's nice. Yeah, I it mean, was nice. You know, most of the other areas up there are all... Slot limits. Now, when he starts chartering, you know, when he actually has a paying customer, he that's one fish a day. Right. And the bigger fish, there comes with a price. So I don't understand all of it, but... Um, There's like a trophy fee on top of it? Yeah, well, here's the deal. So, the way I think I understand it, and I'll probably get this all wrong, is that somebody actually owns the quota for fish over a certain size. 
and they have to be paid for it. So when you when he gets his charter licensing or whatever, he pays for a certain amount and hmm. as part of that uh, quota. Who I don't the know hell how owns it, the damn fish. Well, I, I I can't remember. He he told me the whole story, but somebody does. That like the stuff when Kimberly and I went up to Sitka, mm-hmm. you couldn't kill a fish over. Uh, basically, it was like a sixty pound fish mm-hmm. over a certain length. And same thing with lingcod. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it, it was uh, it was a little tough, you know, trying to hit slot limits and mm-hmm. stuff like that. But they really needed to do that, especially back in the day. You know, when I used to spend time going up there mm. with customers and oh, yeah, stuff. Yeah. And the the stuff that, that we used to do versus today, yeah. they should have had slot limits or they should have had some type of, of regulation at that given time. And, and let's face it, the, the recreational industry creating problems, it, it, is, it is an issue. Every bit of it is an issue. Oh, of course. But it's not even close to the commercial situations that they still yeah. deal with today. Yeah, I think so, that, like I say, I think once he starts to charter, then the, there's different sure, rules. But sure. With family, it's uh, it's that's what it was. Yeah. So. Yeah. And Vicky went up with you. Yeah, she did. You know, she's uh, she likes to walleye fish, and she's done that before. And I kind of wondered dragon. how she, how she was would she dragon she, 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 out of it. Yeah, Vicky was kind of dragging some smaller fish around when Britt and I were fishing with her because she wasn't quite feeling it with all the weight but of course with a halibut that's a little different and we were jigging so rather than anchoring we were jigging Mm -hmm. and so you don't you don't miss the bite no and you (laughs) you don't miss the bite i kept telling her i said you're she goes how will i know i go oh you know she says you always say that and i go well you're gonna know (laughs) and she did well she did really well and she was tough she just stood the rail in the rain and cold her hands were just like ice cubes and she just fished the whole time Probably wasn't her like ideal vacation. <laughs> no, but but she's a trooper. She was. I was really proud of her. She did a great job and and just uh, pissing. I rain think she and would want to. Yeah, I think she wants to go back. I have kind of surprised me, which was great. Yeah, you know, that, that works out for you. Yeah, that that truthfully, that whole experience. You know, it's like uh, taking Kimberly up a couple of years ago. You know, she's she's done it a couple times and I've, I've taken her and Jack and Cindy out like out of Westport or right. out of Milwaukee. And once you get in, when you get into that many fish, oh man, it's a lot of fun. It is, you it's know, and, nonstop. And, and, and yeah, when you're, it's just like taking your kids fishing, you know, teaching them to yep. enjoy that, that whole thing. Right. When you catch a lot of fish, it makes it so fun. Oh, it does. You know, it's it, not a grind. Like, no, you want to go yeah. do it again. Yeah. Regardless of the weather or. Yeah. I haven't been fishing with Alyssa. She, we talked about going fishing or something recently, and she was like, oh, I can go fishing. I got a fishing license. It's like, when did you get a fishing license? She's like, oh, a couple of years ago. <laughs> and I was like, well, you need to get a new one. She's like, what do you mean? They don't just last. You just have to like, buy one every year. It's like, yeah, every year. Yeah. So <laughs> she, we're going to we're gonna work our way into getting her on the water. Yeah. Are you going to go out of Westport? <laughs> on the big boat? Yeah. We probably should. It sounds like a lot of fun. Well, She yeah. did talk about potentially going out there and uh, doing <laughs> that. So, I, I, it, I've, I've been invited to go, like, forever and just never done it. Well, you but. need to. Yeah, come on, Uncle Bobby. Uncle Bobby. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, boy. Uh, the other thing we did that was really fun, which I know you've done before, Bobby, is catching them black bass or black rockfish. Sure. And we were jigging for those as well with like a six-ounce jig. Yeah, yeah. And we would just 
it was really rough because you you know you got to get in closer to the rocks. Sure, sure. We're talking some pretty pretty good swells. It was pretty stormy while we were there. Right. Which was really fun, but you, the only problem was we couldn't just hold on the fish. You'd see the school. Yeah. And all five rods would be hooked. Yeah. Immediately. And, and then, then by the time you get up, you're yeah, out of the you're school. out of the school. Yeah. You might get one or two more. It's like well, now we got to turn around and go back and drift right back through them again. But gosh, that was fun. And Gary said. In better weather, his record is uh, limiting the boat out in in uh, fifteen minutes. Oh, I can believe it. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, you, you're yarding them. You're yarding them, man. He's this just, this is called harvesting. It is harvesting. Yeah, yeah. 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 You're harvesting. And I I've had I have a friend who lives up in Anchorage, and he's like, oh, that's a lot of work for a little fillet. But quite frankly, you get a good sized black bass they they produce a very nice fillet and Absolutely. they're great eating they're good oh, they, yeah they are they are good yep. deep fried fish i like them they're fun to catch they're good to eat so sure. why not so i was buried in the bottom of my coffee glass but you said you did some crabbing or you didn't we did do some crabbing uh we got some crab it, again it wasn't wasn't great we also did some shrimping we pulled one pot that we got a few shrimp but the shrimping was poor and he was kind of perplexed by that we moved pots around and just didn't do well. So you ate decently. Oh my God. <laughs> so, you know, the thing about it is, is that not only did we get some crab and some shrimp that we ate, but just Gary and Victoria, as they're spooling up their lodge and they have a new employee that's helping them with the cooking, is they were just, okay, this is how you make this for the new employee. So we ate like they would for the customers. Sure. You got to, you got to practice. And oh my God. I mean, I probably gained an extra five pounds. Good. We ate so good. It's good for you. <laughs> it was so much fun. Well, you know, be, let's face it. We're four hundred miles from yeah. the salt water. Yeah, you yeah. know, yeah. And we don't we don't get all of that fresh seafood on a oh. daily basis, and and having that you know available. Did you guys catch any weird stuff? Did you catch any wolf eels or cabazons? Cabazon. We got a really nice size cabazon. Did you? Yep. Good. And Good. Uh, a few other rockfish, you know, like uh, quillback, which yeah. you got to re- release. Sure. And now, did you guys jig for everything? Yeah, we jig for everything. Perfect. Yeah. So much you, fun. You will always catch bigger fish jigging. Oh, yeah. It's such a blast. I was kind of hoping we would catch some lingcod, but of course, when you're fishing for the black rockfish, mm-hmm. they're higher in a water column yeah but it's not like you're not going on over uneven terrain and occasionally you bump bottom you got to be real careful about that because you'll hook up but and so we were fishing near the bottom at times but we never other than the cabazon we never caught anything else that was too deep (laughs) the the guys used to always hate me because if if i went like five minutes without getting bit yeah, I you go, drop to the, I bottom. Go to the bottom. Yeah, I go to the bottom. Well, of course, then you're going to get bit. Exactly. <laughs> you you will get bit by something. Yeah. It doesn't matter what it is, but you know it, it depends. The, those black sea bass. It's like with Kimberly, she caught. You know, we're we're fishing a pinnacle. It's 120 feet. Yeah. The 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 rockfish are 60 feet up from the top, of, so they're 60 feet down. Yeah. Yeah. And you're fishing for black rockfish, and we're yarding these big Jurassic black sea bass in yeah yep. and all of a sudden kimberly hooks a lingcod you know yeah, she oh catches yeah. a 55 pound lingcod oh yeah right in the middle of him because yeah. he's up feeding on the black sea bass oh yeah he's eating them yeah he <laughs> so had, you just never know out in the salt water that's you, the neat thing about it. that is the neat thing about it and that's what he said and we were using our 10 foot 
six salmon rods to jig with because he goes, <laughs> there's a good chance you'll catch a Chinook or sure. a big a big lean. Sure. And talk about fun. That rod was awesome. Of course, you know, it's meant to be a mooching rod. Yeah. So it works perfect for that. And yeah. I was kind of like, man, I don't know about this, but oh, it yeah. was awesome. Yeah. So yeah. much fun playing those fish on that rod. Yeah. It was a blast. Gary was like, I like these. See, that's, 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 cool. that's why, that's why they yeah. would get irritated because, you know, you'd be sitting there mooching for salmon and stuff. And, I, you know me, I've got zero yeah. patience. Yeah. I don't get bit in five minutes. I'd drop right to the bottom, and then all of a sudden you'd hook a 120-pound halibut on yeah. the salmon rod. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was really our, – our rods worked well for that application. And Good. had we caught a – Salmon, you know, it would have been beautiful for it, but that big old cabazon came up on it, some mm-hmm. big, bigger rockfish, and, and it performed perfectly. Good. Yeah. Awesome. Fun, really fun. That's great. Yeah, like I said, it, it, it's so much fun doing that huh. stuff that we got we to gotta get Britton out there. So he, Well, it would just be fun if we all went up there yeah. one time with Gary, you know. And, uh, sure. You guys just drop me off in the river, and I'll be good to go. <laughs> Oh, we yeah. did go oh, fish the river let, a little bit. Let me, said. Yeah, we did. Hold, let me get the fly rod out just a second. Hang well, on. Gary, Gary, fly fish. <laughs> I think you're scared that I'll be a better fly fisherman than you fly fishing. Oh. <laughs> Here we go. Oh man. Yeah, that's what Gary did. He fly fished while we were there. And like the rest adult. of us used our six foot eight uh, jigging casting rods and oh, yeah. cast lures. I, I was bummed. I should have taken you up on taking some crip lures and stuff up because yeah. I know oh, that would, that stuff would have been fantastic. I know we would have just creamed them on those. Yeah. But we were just using small, similar kinds of sure. lures to cast. And the water was low. So there wasn't a lot of holding water. The river was pretty flat. You know what I mean? Like Well, plus you were right down by the mouth. So we were not closer getting to any the holes or anything. Not too many. We were up yeah. we were up a little ways where we were you know, where we were casting stuff, but mm-hmm. um, you know, and that and that was another first for Vicky. She had never casted Right. retrieved before and i kind of showed her how to do it and she got stuck a few times but then she caught her own fish wow good i'm like you got one you know i'm like you got one <laughs> <laughs> i ran I over there and took a picture real quick it's kind of like you're you know getting your kids first fish but yeah that's something she's just never done sure uh, and it kind of was cold and rainy and fishing wasn't that great so another spot we went to the for it was a forest service trail and like little um shelter Mm-hmm. And we were, there's a big there's a big chinook hole right there, it, that's where we caught that one steelhead. But um, right. got a little cold and rainy, so she and I were sitting up there uh, underneath that. That's after the bad a while. thing about going southeast and yeah. early in the season. It's cold. Well, it, it's and wet. Wet. I mean, it's just you've got those storms coming in. Yeah. All that spring weather, you know, late spring, early summer stuff that. And it, it was kind of a bummer just because a few days before that, it was gorgeous. Sure, And the sure. whole time we were there, was yeah. kind of stormy, but... Typical. Typical. Yeah. But it didn't really matter. I mean, we got lots of fish. It was fun. Cool. Really Good. fun. Well, we do have uh, Gary, who yeah. owns a lodge up there on the podcast today, and Richie sat down with him to talk a little bit about what they got going on up there. So we're going to jump into that real quick, and then when we're back, we'll wrap this baby up. Whether you're jigging for black rockfish in Alaska, mooching for salmon in the Puget Sound, or trolling for Chinook in the Columbia River, the Northwest Outdoorsman SA 1065 Salmon Rod will get the job done for you. 
A light and sensitive tip allows for easy strike indication and a strong butt section helps move the fish to the boat. Use the code Anderson, A-N-D-E-R-S-O-N, as in Anderson Lodge, Alaska, for a 15% discount at HarrodOutdoors.com. That's code Anderson for a 15% discount. Today I'm with my friend Gary Anderson of Anderson Lodge, Alaska. How are you doing today, Gary? Doing great. Well, the two of us here, we've got our drinks. We have a little Wood Family Spirits and a couple other things going on here, so we're, we're having a good time. But uh, I'm actually, at this moment, sitting in Gary's store. What do we got going here? Uh, we got a little tackle shop here tackle and, shop. and mostly built around what I like to use. So. <laughs> so it's a great place for us to have this conversation. Gary and I met, along with his lovely wife, Victoria, probably, what do you think, about five years ago? Yeah, I think it was five years ago. We, we met at the sportsman shows, probably in Portland. Would that be the first place? I think it was Puyallup. Okay, so we met in Puyallup the first time, but it's been a while, and so Gary has been bugging me for a while. Hey, you just need to come up and go fishing with me, and this time of year, here we are at the end of May, you're pre-fishing, correct? Yeah, I'm I'm. Trying to get ready for the season, trying to figure out where they're at and what I think I know, confirm it. <laughs> yeah. So it's been a really great experience for us. Uh, this is my wife, Vicki's first time up here to Alaska. I've been here before, but it's been uh, a lot of fun coming up here and fishing with you and having you invite us in. But I thought it might be good for our listeners to kind of hear a little bit about halibut fishing here in Alaska. And it's something you know, a lot of people, you know, like like to do want to go out and do and so uh let's talk a little bit about that so uh, first of all where are we we are in thorn bay on prince of wales island which is known for a lot of things yes. and about half of the reality shows in alaska are filmed here that's true <laughs> yeah. yeah but we are real reality so <laughs> yeah uh no we're we're on the east side of prince of wales island our biggest body of water right out of the bay is Clarence Strait, mm-hmm. uh, about 40 miles by float plane from Ketchikan, mm-hmm. about an hour and a half by boat on a good day. This is this is a little piece of heaven. I can vouch for that. It very much is. <laughs> it's been just a great time, and we've been pretty lucky. The weather's kind of held, but when you guys take clients out to go halibut fishing, I'm assuming you take them to a similar place as we did. Do you fish here? on your side of the island or do you fish elsewhere predominantly? I fish both sides um, based on what the fish are doing. And this time of year, it's May, it's early. The fish haven't migrated around the island yet, so we trailer over and fish off the west side. Right. Yep, so, and how far out did we run actually? Quite a ways. Uh, 25 miles, yeah. yeah. 25 miles from the boat launch. Um, we actually broke into open ocean and we were right behind the barrier islands on open ocean. Yeah. yeah, and I'll tell you what, with the wind was blowing in the right direction, it's a, some swells. It can be, so you never want to hear me or any other captain say sporty. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We don't want to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> and it was uh, pretty good for us. We had a couple of days a little rough about getting to the spot, but uh, it was it was pretty fun. So uh, let's talk a little bit about the halibut fishing. It's your typical kind of bottom fish, bait and jigs. Bait and jig, so a, a J-hook, a normal lead head jig, so 16 or 24 ounces, run a grub on them, and a trailing hook, and a bait, a piece of bait on each hook. So herring quartered up a chunk of meat on each hook. You know, it's kind of interesting for me because uh, when I first started jigging for walleye in the Columbia River, 
we often use the same setup of course not that much weight but um yeah smaller scale yeah smaller scale but we um, always use what we just call that little stinger hook and i noticed that right away on there and i find that when we were fishing we were actually hooking a fair amount of fish with that trailing hook it's about 50 50. the fish have to be big enough to get the j hook in their mouth and when you get one of those you know it yeah so that was a lot of fun just noticing some similarities in bottom fishing so what are we looking for as far as uh, bottom structure or the places that where halibut are? So first thing I'm looking for is bait on the depth sounder. Um, if there's bait there, there should be fish there. Second thing is halibut are ambush predators. They're always going to sit on the lee side of a, of a peak. So if you think of the bottom as being mountains, they're going to be on the lee side because that's the least water resistance, right? And the bait gets pushed over the top with the tide and they're ambush predators so they're gonna as a bait gets pushed over they're gonna hit it and so i'm always looking for a place uh you got to know which direction the tide's going um, but i'm always looking for a place that a halibut can hang out in soft water and that bait's getting pushed to them so uh, playing the tides is really important it can be and you know it can it can be great when the tide is ripping it can be great when the tide is slack because when the tide's ripping, they're going to hold in a spot just to hang out. When the tide's slack, they're going to be moving to another spot, and you want to be in position. So from my experience fishing with you here, we had, on our first trip out, trouble finding them in a usual place. So we went a little further out, kind of more into open water for a shelf where you're looking for that kind of structure. And we caught quite a few smaller fish. And then the second day we caught some really nice fish. And so is there, is it sort of the luck of the draw or is there something to be learned from that? There's something to be learned from that. So when there's structure, so the, the first day we were at the chicken ranch, mm -hmm. right? And so there's a large amount of fish there and they're going to hang behind that structure because that's what they know. The second day when we found the bigger fish, those fish were moving through a section to go to the next one. So the drift was slower, the water was moving a lot less. So the chicken ranch, that was pushing it about a knot and a half. That was the current. When we hit slack tide on the second day, we were literally doing a small circle with the boat drifting and we were holding and the fish were moving through. That's my theory anyway. Yeah. That'll really help you dial in when you take your clients out there, what you're looking for and kind of playing those tides. And I'm assuming these are places that you traditionally fish. I have fished these places yeah. for a number of years and there's, there's a lot of fish count that is going on there, uh, re caught and released. And sometimes when we're charter fishing, we're picking through them to get a bigger fish, mm -hmm. but there, there have been a lot of fish in these places yeah. and they're constantly there. Yeah, it was a lot of fun even catching the smaller fish. But that second day, there's really nothing like the size of the fish that we caught. Those were quality. It was nothing but quality the second day, and uh, it was a lot of quality. <laughs> yeah, so we were lucky. We, we, we actually had one fish to the boat that was 150 pounds. And, you know, sometimes people ask a question about halibut and the quality of the meat by size what's your what's your take on that uh, my take is they all taste the same so chicken people say chickens taste better because uh, they're smaller the processing is the key so you bleed that fish out the only difference between the fish is the size of the grain of the meat that's it if you bleed them out it's going to taste the same. Yeah, and I think that's probably what maybe some people are referring to. I don't know. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, every piece of halibut I ate was 
pretty damn good. Yeah, there. I haven't had a bad piece of halibut. Yeah, <laughs> I haven't either, <laughs> and I've eaten a fair amount of it. To, I'm lucky enough to get some. So, uh, and then the other thing we should talk about is uh, not only is the halibut fishing pretty good and pretty fun, but there's some other opportunities out there. Oh, there's black rockfish, there's lingcod, there's salmon, and the salmon's all about the timing of the run. Uh, the coho show up, and it, it's on fire. The black rockfish, though, is probably the highest catch frequency you will ever experience in your life. I'll, I'll vouch for that. Uh, fish for them before, but here we ran into a pretty big school, and it was on fire. And uh, so I understand that um, you've had a, a little record going here. Uh, my record is 15 minutes for limiting the boat. <laughs> With six people. 30 fish. Oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah, and we when we fished, there was a little bit of heavy water so we couldn't really hold as well as you like that's correct so we had uh six to eight foot rollers yeah. and we were we were trying hard i had i think i had all three motors in reverse to hold just at least to slow down the drift yeah you, yeah you did and and so those uh black rock fish they they're not necessarily on the bottom no black rock for sure pelagic rock fish so they're usually in the top 30 feet of water and when you when you hook one five will follow it to the boat and it's on like Donkey Kong. So what, what kind of gear do you use to catch those? I make it simple, right? The less work I have to do, the better. So P-Line Laser Minnows is my go-to for, for black rockfish. And we catch lingcods, salmon. We've even caught a few halibut in that process. What, what are the weight on those? Four to six ounces. So you, you need to get a pretty heavy lure just because of the, the current. Yep. The, current, the current's pushing always. And so you need to get a pretty heavy lure to get it down. But the biggest piece of the action is boat control. Agreed, yes. And so we're watching the graph, which I always like looking at a graph. I'm so used to standing there staring at my graph when I'm running the boat. But I did notice that uh, anytime there was a piece of structure, then those fish were just stacked on top of it. Not, I mean, not like at the bottom, but in the vicinity of that structure. Yeah, so they're they're usually hanging in one spot, and and you got to keep in mind that the current's moving, so the fish are moving, right? Um, so those fish may be on top of a of a pinnacle, but they're gonna push off it just as much as you are. It's all about trying to stay on top of them. If you miss them, if you get you go you go through it, you get a few, yeah. you circle back and. You do a sake maneuver and yeah, go through them again. Right. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, folks, it's uh, fast action. It's a lot of fun. And what are the sizes? Rockfish, they're they're two to five pounds. They uh, really fight for their size. Yeah, you can always tell when you got a black rockfish on because the rod tips rattle. Yeah. And uh, we were actually using our new 1065 salmon rods. What did you think of those? I'm pretty impressed. <laughs> they were, you felt every tick and touch. Yeah. And they they gave a lot away, so it was it was very nice. Yeah, I thought it was pretty fun. I was kind of wondering whether a ten foot six salmon rod in that boat for these kinds of things would work, but it actually worked really well. It works great, and yeah. and what I'm looking forward to seeing is a big fatty lingcod mm -hmm. on the end of one of those things, and see what it does. Oh yeah, it'll handle that, not a problem. Uh, we fished salmon for them and got some really big fish on them, and a couple of our pro staffers are catching you know up to 30 40 pounders not a problem very nice yeah no i think they'll they'll hold up just yeah. fine yeah <laughs> well that's great uh folks if you ever have a notion to come to alaska to go fishing 
in the salt water to catch a lot of fish, I'd, I'd highly recommend getting a hold of Gary. So how do they do that? Our website, AndersonLodgeAlaska.com. Our phone number, 907-419-0957. My wife or I will answer the phone. If we don't answer, we're busy. I would say it's probably going to be Victoria. It will probably be Victoria. <laughs> okay, so let's go with that phone number again. 907-419-0957. And when you get up here, he has a really nice tackle shop that you can check out. Probably find some Northwest Outdoorsman rods here at some point as well. Probably can. We also uh, used our 6 foot 8 jigging casting rod in the rivers that seemed to work pretty well that worked really well and were, those were tough so i saw someone land a steelhead today on one of those yeah absolutely it's worked pretty great yeah. <laughs> and you, again feel every tick that's what we're after no they're they're fantastic rods yeah. i i really like them i'm gonna try and break them <laughs> there you go he's gonna give it a try dad gummit <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for taking time with me. And uh, we probably need to refill our drinks. And I think there's food in there. I think the dinner is ready. Yeah. All right. Thanks a lot, Gary. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. That was a real fun conversation just to sit down with Gary and and kind of summarize basically what we had been doing, kind of learn some of his techniques for how he likes to catch fish, where he he finds them. Uh, One thing that was really interesting, and Bobby, you probably had this experience yourself, is just fishing the tides. Yeah. So, yeah, you you know. That's important when you're looking for halibut. Sure, absolutely. Well, you know, everything depends upon structure, flats. Yep where the tide movement is at any at a given time the fish what direction do they move from and to right you know every bit of that uh adds into that's that's why a good saltwater captain dustin did that for 14 years mm-hmm. up out of sitka right you know you you have to understand those tides where to fish it at a certain time of the tide right in order to get your biggest opportunity to catch fish yeah and knowing all of that stuff is key to getting your clients on fish yeah and one so. thing that he pointed out is you know we caught smaller fish and in spots he's caught fish before and they're like you're gonna find them there all the time sure and then you might get the occasional bigger fish but like the big ones that we caught i believe at low slack and those fish are on the move and they're yep. looking for food and so they're transitory yep. and so that's why you have to really understand your tides and location like where are they going to be feeding at those times oh yeah and that's what puts you on the bigger and fish. you know a lot of it is, is common sense yeah. i mean if you, if you look at the topography of what what goes on there yeah. you know, you've got a large a large rock pinnacle and on an incoming tide everything's going to be on the back edge exactly. you know where all the food's coming and going to whirlpool around yeah so it, it is common sense but you have to know where you're at oh yeah you have to know what you know whether you've got a large flat or you've got a rock pinnacle to fish around yeah. or you've got you know on what side should you be fishing every bit of that that right. changes you have to understand what it is you're doing exactly and it reminds me a lot of i mean just walleye fishing we're sure. looking for structure if there's current yep uh, certain places that they are, you know, Matt Messing and I, when we we did the podcast a while back with uh, Dwayne mm-hmm. and Matt, and he was comparing 
that to the kind of fishing he does in the sound. Sure. And, and it is similar. And yep. it, it's just uh, understanding currents. It's almost like reading a river. Yes. Understanding those kinds of things. And, and I enjoyed that because I was just soaking it up with him because he has, Gary has so much knowledge about it because he's been doing it for so long. And he, he really, he really knows how to catch halibut. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And you know, that, that, well, I, I I told you before you went, you know, that is something that I targeted and something that I, you know, we, we were dying the wolf river fishermen. Sure. We, Britain went up on the Alagnac. We yeah. used to go to the Alagnac for years. Right. Once you start fishing the saltwater, it changes your whole outlook on things. Right. But, but what you learned in the, in the freshwater or learned on a river going to the saltwater mm-hmm. It's just, it's virtually the same thing, but it's on a much larger scale. Bigger scale. That's exactly. The, that's the thing. And, you know, yeah. and understanding uh, the the currents, the tide movement, the yep. time of the tide, where the fish are going to be, how they're going to be, you know, yeah. all of that makes a huge difference. And like I told you, fishing fishing jigs instead of off anchor for, for halibut. Oh, so much fun. Oh, man. Yeah. Well, I mean, you can, anchoring, you can still catch, you will still catch big fish, but jigging versus fishing bait makes a huge difference on catching big fish oh yeah and and it's funner for the person doing it i think you know when you anchor you're waiting for the fish to come to you yep you're you're fishing with bait and likely a circle hook it's Mm -hmm. a different kind of lift not jerk and with the jigs it's a lot like us Oh, you're straight. You're straight. Straight to the fish. up and down, yep. and we're just just like we do for those big walleye in the fall when we're sure. jigging for them, and it's just like bam, and you know immediately. I'm here to tell you. <laughs> I was going to say it's a little different than. than oh yeah. Than but you bit. know when yeah. you've got a chicken versus when you got you know the barn door. Yeah. And I'll tell you when you set the hook and it just goes dunk, and you think all of a sudden you potentially had a, the rock on the bottom, and then it has some movement. You yeah. know. You know that you got something yep. <laughs> quite a bit bigger. Absolutely. So that to me, you're really participating in the fishery more that way. Yeah. It's not a finesse thing. No. But well, but but it more can partic- be if you if you understand yeah. you know what what you're doing. Yeah. I it, it it is a finesse thing versus just soaking a bait. Oh yeah. yeah. What? But I'm saying is, uh, if you have your jig down on the bottom with some bait on it and you're jigging, and we and uh, what interesting thing is. Uh, Vicky and Jim were doing larger jigs. Sure. And I was just over here, just barely moving it. And I kind of had a little cadence. I was almost doing the Eric Broughton, uh, what do you call it? The Oh, what did we call that? Yeah, what did he call that? Gosh, now, uh, flutter, flutter Careful snap. Flut, flutter snap, snap. yeah. I was kind of doing that a little bit. And I I don't know, I don't. it's maybe not a fair comparison, but I think I hooked a few more fish. Well, no, it is. <laughs> no, honestly, yeah. cadence is everything. Yeah. It, <laughs> you're jigging. It's just you're on a bigger scale. Yeah. It's the same thing. Yeah. Doing large stuff. Fish don't want to chase something when, when it's going up and down yeah. like that. I mean, when it comes down and drops, yeah. you know, you let it sit for uh, yeah. 45 seconds yeah. and then snap it again. Yeah. Then you're going to hook fish, but everything is a cadence. Yeah. So you do, you know, short stuff, short stuff, short stuff, and then one big one and, yeah. and, and let it sit. Of course, because I, you, you want to make it easier for them to catch. Exactly. Right? Absolutely. Not, not harder. But you have to draw their attention. That's the whole, that's why I told you. I mean, I, I used to fish 16 to 24 ounce jig heads mm-hmm. with a 12 inch scampi tail. Yeah. And then I put a 10 aught hook yeah. on the jig yeah. with a small 
a stinger a stinger yeah. and it fluttered that's what we're, that's what and, we were doing yeah and I, i'm gonna tell you what we're just using pieces of herring but still yeah. i like well, to have no, that's all you need just a little scent yeah, yeah. And I, I liked having the herring tail on my stinger hook sure but, but that was just me but of course i say all that and then of course jim was the one that caught the 150 pounder so you know <laughs> You know what? It, it's <laughs> luck of the draw. Luck of the draw. But anyway, for me, it was uh, it was fun because I really like to know the details about a fishery. Sure. Like where to find them. Yep. The currents, the speed, the everything that you do, and I, and it, it was fun because Gary was kind of he could tell I really wanted to understand. So it's fun. Yeah. Fun for me. Enjoyed it. What do you, you got? Something there, Britton? What do you? You got news or what? Yeah, we got our news. Let's our news hear. segment. Our news segment. Let's hear it. Brought to you by Butte Brand. Butte. <laughs> Is that a new sponsor? Yeah, it's a new sponsor. Sweet. Everyone gets a hat. Oh, awesome. Gee, <laughs> I might finally get a hat. We have a new state record fish in Idaho. Cody King of Montpelier. Is that how you say it? Yeah. Caught a 29-inch, 8.47-pound tiger trout at wow. a Montpelier re- Reservoir. It bested the previous record in 2020 by almost four pounds. And that's Idaho. Idaho. Yeah. yeah because Idaho what, certified weight state record tiger trout. The what one was the one that got broke last year in... in, in uh, that was in Loon Lake. Loon Lake. Yeah. That thing was huge. Yeah. I yeah. think it might have been bigger. I think it was bigger than that one. Yeah. I think that one was but like still, 12 30, or something. I mean, almost a 30-pound fish. Holy smokes. No, no, no. no. I thought you said 29 8.47 pounds. Yeah. 29 The previous inch. record was oh, 4.8. A 29-pound tiger trout would probably set a few records well i how big was that thing there in loon it was giant let's see i think that loon one was lake i think that let's was get like mid teens google that up so we get it right loon it was lake. big yeah i think it's i think it's pretty big but oh that was a world record tiger trout yeah. and it was 24 and a half pounds there you go holy cow that's huge that's i remember it was caught big. from the shore <laughs> oh god that's awesome. It was like right around. So I was lived on Mac, like Mac Lure Power Bait. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> probably. I I lived like right around the yeah. cove for a summer there. Yeah, that's what you're saying. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> that was a fun fishery. Yeah, it was. Well, you and I, I haven't caught a tiger fishery. trout. Have you guys caught tiger trout? I have not. I want to go. There's I've caught that one small one about 12 inches. I so this not. one wasn't like that bright red that you see some places mm-hmm. like yeah. ice fishing. There's a lake up in like northeast. Washington, like Coffin Lake or something. There's oh. a guy that does like YouTube shows where he just like targets these like yeah. bright red tiger yeah. trout. Sure, it'd be super cool. Fish. They're beautiful. Yeah. So that's the first piece of news. Congratulations to Cody King on his state record fish. Did he catch that on Max Lure Power Bait? Yeah, it was Max Lure Power Bait <laughs> certified. <laughs> okay. This one comes from John Cruz in the Washington Outdoor Report and. After a very slow start to Columbia River Spring Chinook salmon run, things have turned around in a big way. So as of May 24th, over 101,000 springers had crossed Bonneville, which matches the 10-year long-term average. Because of this, fishery managers have reopened Chinook salmon fishing on the lower Columbia below Bonneville to June 4th, which by the time you listen to this, it's apparently closed. Yep. And they say that it may be extended again after that. The other thing is, you know, Icicle River is expecting fish, correct? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, they're, they're, ca- they're, they're catching, catching fish, fish right, right now. now. Yeah. Yeah. Which yeah. Bobby was talking about on the way up. He used to, you know, go up in the mornings and do that. And yeah, he just too. doesn't anymore because he tends his garden in the morning. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I was just, I was just kind of laughing. I'm thinking, you know, right now, 
hell, I'd be up there fishing. We used to do that work before work. The, yeah. Because it was go, right here in town, and yeah. my buddy Bill and I would go over and do that in the mornings. We'd either bank fish, but mostly we just throw his drift boat in and make a quick drift. Sure, sure. Don't do it anymore. It, it turned out to be, for a while, just too many boats. Yeah, yeah. Too many people, and, and uh, when you're busy, it's just like, ah, got some other things to do. Go do that. Maybe we should just do like a campaign to tell everyone not to go yeah. fish there, and then we can start fishing. <laughs> well, up there we want again. people to fish. It's just got to find the right time, I guess. They used uh, Max Lure Quick Fish? Yeah, Max Lure Quick Fish. Max Lure Quick Fish okay. works well. All right. Yeah. Uh, lastly, and this is, Stephen is killing the walleye up on I'm telling Roosevelt. You what. It's just He's on been... fire, outrageously on fire. And he posted a video yesterday. Stephen. Morris of oh, SJM Guide Service. SJM Guide Service, yeah. And John did a little plug in the Washington Outdoors report about, you know, the fishing up on uh, Roosevelt. And it's those, you know, those little cookie cutter fish that oh, we yeah. were catching when we went up and did the show yep, last time yep, yep. but it's on fire and all he's doing is just pulling slow death rigs yeah. it looked like he was he posted a video with yesterday a smile blade. yeah it's just with a little motor oil smile blade a couple of beans of slow death hook and yep. he's just slaying them yep and the clients are happy and so if you are up in that area definitely get out there and go pull that's some, that's the nice thing crawlers. about that area is it's so far out of the way from mm-hmm. everything that nobody goes up there and fishes. Yeah, it's not it's not as popular as some of the other places. And I've got a friend who's who's been fishing up there recently, and he just I think he spent like four days up there and just creamed them. Yeah, yeah, it's really really good right now. Yeah, so definitely get out there and do that. We got any fishing plans soon? You know, we really don't have. Uh, well, Friday we're supposed to go kokanee fishing with Jeff after oh, yeah. work. Yeah, I'm. Going to Vancouver this weekend. Oh, great! So now I got to go up by myself. What are you doing, Rich? Uh, I'll I'll be working. <sighs> you guys. Yeah. You just don't want to have to run the boat and do everything. Uh, you just want to fish. Yeah. I do. I I Jeff has I, one I've got to get into some volume. I mean, yeah. it, you know, it's just one of those things. The calendar says it's not going to be very good fishing on Friday. <laughs> I'm a he, big he, proponent of oh, the moon. Are you like now? that? Are he, you into that now? I'm oh, he's into, into it because the moon it was phase. moon phase. The, yeah. The three days we were at Anderson, the moon said it was going to be like the three worst days to fish of the year there. <laughs> like 2%, 3%, 4%. Yeah. And then like the weekend after we left, it was going up to like 92. Uh-huh. And then Dan's and then just Dan killing them. And Dan again. goes out and smashes them. <laughs> yeah. It's like, good prank, Dan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thanks a lot, Dan. Thanks we'll a lot, we'll Dan. talk about the, the ultimate Dan Avery prank on the next podcast, but... <laughs> Drug everyone out to Idaho. We got Dan Avery, and then and then he won. Got Dan Avery, and yeah. then he won the Derby. Oh yeah! Oh, Never the day that baby. Bobby was on yeah. the boat. <laughs> Never, Never won, won, baby. Did you see that picture I posted to you on Facebook? Has over a thousand likes now. Oh, with that, it, with with my one big fish. Well, I photoshopped it to make it look bigger, but <laughs> there anyway. you go. We'll talk all about that on the next podcast, but thank you for joining us. Be sure to go rate us five stars and give us a follow on all the social media. We will be back next week with another episode. Until then, we will talk to you later. 